You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 222 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on July 8th. Raj, it's probably best if we don't talk about how we're doing. I'm actually starting to feel better. <laughs> it's your turn to be sick for seven weeks now. <laughs> you're, you're draining my own life force for, your <laughs> for my own gain. It's like the, the final boss for the Sith Inquisitor quest line in Swotor. I just have to drain Vince of his energy. <laughs> but you got some rather disturbing news today, didn't you? Okay, I'm on like still a crap load of meds. You're going to have to be more specific than that. In relation to yourself, just how old is Aunt May now? Oh my God. <laughs> that is so wrong. I saw <laughs> now granted we don't see Marissa Tomei in that many things. So like I'm I'm sure she's been in a number of things. Maybe it's just stuff that we don't watch. I haven't seen I've seen her in a few things lately, but not too much. And so you don't realize, hey, she's gotten older. <laughs> and by the way, hey, so have you. <laughs> I read that and I went, Oh my god, I feel so friggin' old. That's ridiculous. Somebody mentioned on Twitter today, though. I don't know how comfortable I feel knowing I've seen Aunt May topless. <laughs> Aunt May's got a mouth on her. <laughs> that aside, we have some fun comics to talk about this week. Starting with the big issue of Chew Number 50 from Image, written by John Lehman, art by Rob Guillory and Taylor Wells. This is the finale of the blood pudding storyline and the long 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 awaited climax and battle between the collector and tony and man this did not disappoint that is exactly what i was gonna say those exact words this did not disappoint it is like how often do we get to the climax of a story arc and I mean, this has been going on for a bloody long time now. And it's one of those, it's not going to live up. It never lives up. And it's ridiculous. Beginning to end. This was fantastic. For months now, Kobe has been trying to get Tony to eat Pollo. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what sort of information does Pollo have that Tony needs to, to learn about? You know, top secret FDA stuff or what have you. No. He just needs Poyo's abilities for this fight. And I love how they kept going on and on about all the different powers the Collector had absorbed. And I'm not even going to start getting into some of them, but mashed potato golems and <laughs> spaghetti wrestlers. I, I, it's the typical true ridiculousness, but over 50 issues, they've run out of all the normal ridiculous stuff and they had to go a little overboard. The but spaghetti all that dude was great. You gotta admit, Poyo is just really, really, really badass. <laughs> the shot with the where he's seeing three and in the middle, <laughs> it's Chew with Poyo's head. <laughs> it's like now that's badass. 
I love how we just montaged over the entire opening fight of Tony going through all of the, the, the henchmen. It's just, you know, one page is okay. Here he comes. The next page is just bodies everywhere. And from then on, it's just Tony and the collector for God. Most of the issue is just a fight between the two of them. And it was glorious. Going back to what you're saying, how it was so fast, him going through, like, the, he spends, like, one, two, three pages setting up this these henchmen and how important <laughs> they're going to be to the point of narrating everything that they can do and everything else. And then it's like, boom, Tony takes them out like that. And that's when you realize, oh, Tony's leveled up. <laughs> this is this is not Tony level one anymore. <laughs> He's leveled up. This is This is going to be believable now that Tony actually can win this at the end. And I don't think it's really spoiling anything to say that Tony wins the fight. But the bit at the end where the collector is trying to spare his own life about the knowledge that he possesses and how he can pass all that on to Tony and Tony wants none of it. That was brilliant. Yeah, I was sitting, I was on the edge of my seat as much as you can be reading a comic book of, is he going to do it? What's he going to do? What's Tony going to do in this situation? Well, freaking Lehman pulled back from the, the, the fire in the sky going all the way back to there. Mm-hmm. Like there were so many things that he was referencing. Like I have answers to all this stuff. And it's like, I don't, I'll find another way. That was the best line there. Something along the lines of that. I'll find another way to get the, that information. It was like, oh my God. And I have to mention that one page spread that shows what was whispered in Chew's ear mm-hmm. in that the, the memory when he took a bite of the toe was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> how long have I you never been trying been. to figure that one out? Never would have guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the hilarious epilogue. Of the collector in hell being tortured by the new lord, Poyo, <laughs> with the disturbing narration of this doesn't actually happen. We just wanted to give you a feel good ending before the real epilogue. As for the real epilogue, what the hell, layman? <laughs> how, how? How can you do that to us? Hasn't he been through enough? (laughs) Haven't Haven't we we been through enough? enough? (laughs) Episode title. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It might be a little long. What the hell, layman? Haven't we been through enough? (laughs) Too bad. That's what it is. (laughs) I I got nothing. I was speechless. I I couldn't read any other comics. (laughs) I was like, you know what? The rest of the show, it's going to have to wait until the next day because I need a little while to assess what just happened. I love I love that there are comics that exist today that, that, that can do that to us. And that something as silly as freaking Chew okay, can, with a one page spread like this, on a dime, we turn. And it's like you go from laughing and just thinking this is the most ridiculous, awesome thing ever to like, oh, my God. And it hits you right square in the chest. And again, that's a testament to fantastic writing. And that's something that we've seen from this comic for 50 issues now that as 
goofy and over the top as it can be on an everyday basis. The characters are strong. The story is engrossing and we really do care about these goofballs. Yep. So we only have 10 issues to go because they said Chu is only going to be 60 issues long. We've now reached the, the high point of one of the ongoing storylines. There's not much left to cover. So I'm really excited for the next year of Chu. Yeah, I'm really curious what's going to go down. Because, again, I keep going back to that idea of we have yet to be disappointed. That sets a precedence now for Layman for, for two, that I expect that I'm going to be blown away by what is yet to come. And they've proven time and again since day one they've had this mapped out. Yeah. Was it issue 30 or whatever where they just fast-forwarded you know, 12 issues into the future or whatever it was where like issue 33 came out after issue 16 or something ridiculous, but it all worked out. Mm -hmm. They've had this plan in place. I don't think we're going to be disappointed by this one. No, not at all. Shifting gears to another image comic. We have, we stand on guard. Number one written by Brian K Vaughn art by Steve Scross and Matt Hollingsworth. How much did you hate this? Okay. Why do you assume I did? Because it's about Canadians. <laughs> okay, well, no, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> that implies go, you think that I, as that a Canadian... Brian K. Vaughan is not Canadian. The characterizations were somewhat lacking. Oh. I don't know. Way off. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this was just... There was a whole bunch of ridiculous here for the sake of being ridiculous. I hate when... I mean, the thing is, is that... There are obvious differences between the two countries, obviously, and it's people. That's, that's just going to happen. Not that big a difference, but there are a number of differences in how we act and react and things like that. And so as I'm reading this, I'm going like, mm, I don't know. And the only way that I got through it is by just thinking of it in terms of um, this is just like a possible future kind of thing where the animosity between the countries is blown way out of proportion and becomes an issue at which point mm -hmm. it's like okay fine um but it relied far too heavily on tired old cliches and stupidity the whole bit with the spider a superman tattoo making a big deal about who you and i'm going like oh come on we are not that desperate as a country that we are clinging to superman is really ours no no i'm sorry come on like there was a bunch of stuff like that i i certainly won't be reading any more of this i I, I wasn't all that impressed. So for those at home who don't know what we're talking about, the comic starts off in the year 2112, where the White House has been attacked by some sort of terrorist organization. And our point of view is this Canadian family trying to figure out what's been happening. And come to find out, it was supposedly, I'm guessing, Canada that attacked America. And the family is then wiped out by the American counterattack. And we pick up 12 years later with uh, the young girl of the family surviving out in the wilderness uh, during this now mechanized occupation of Canada where America's overwhelming military might of giant robots uh, has allowed them to take over the Great White North. And we don't get a whole lot more story development beyond that. She meets up with a group of rebels. How is the guy's French? Um, actually not too bad. Not too bad. It, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't I, I actually kind of have to respect that one of the characters speaking French the entire time 
and I have no idea what he was saying because I there's like no translation. Yeah, I like that because it's true. You're not always going to be able to understand everybody. So, and it took me a bit to come to that conclusion, but I, I, I did eventually because it, it felt kind of hokey initially. This idea of this multicultural group, and it's it's especially true, you see, of Canadian comics like this. You're always going to have that one person who's throwing in French kind of thing. And, and I can tell you, having lived in this country all my life, if you're in a group, you're all speaking English for the most part, unless everybody's French. Because pretty much everybody who's French is also English. There's very, very few people who only speak French. So this kind of thing where you're seeing somebody just tossing it and speaking only French, you're like, mm, kind of wouldn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. And the people who are English, I'm sorry, they're not going to understand a damn thing he's saying either. <laughs> it takes a long time for people who are English to learn French just by being around other people who are speaking French all the time. I mean, it's just, it's a hard language to learn. So there was yeah. a bunch of stuff I didn't like throughout as well. That kind of thing, eh, kind of humming and hawing about it. And then there's a whole bit too. They're saying like we're heading to, um, I can't remember if they said Yellowknife or Northwest Territories. I think it was Yellowknife they said they were heading to. And they were saying they don't worry about the Americans there because the Americans don't have much interest in that frigid north. And I'm thinking, uh, hello, Alaska? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's right there. Uh, that kind of stupidity actually does make a difference when you're reading it. If you are, in my case, Canadian. So you're going, oh, come on, people. Do your research. <laughs> or get a Canadian to write it. <laughs> it's okay. His wife's Canadian. Yeah, I read that at the end. I'm going, that's, that's your qualifications? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm going to not read it regularly, but I'm sure I'll come back to it from time to time because I'm curious as to exactly what's going on here. I don't particularly care about how well characterized the Canadians are because I have no personal stake in it. Oh, I like neither. stories I... of giant robots. So <laughs> I, The thing is, is that I'm not invested in any of these characters. And, and let's look at that. Mm -hmm. After just this one issue, are you, regardless, because you got no... No dogs in this race. Are you invested at all in any of this? Like in the, characters? the characters? None whatsoever. Yeah. I'm it, curious as to like the overall story of what led to this, but character-wise, not interested. Even then, this kind of thing has been done time and time again. I mean, again, we can look at this, and for all of my bitching about Saga at various points, which I hold to, I will say, however... Boy, you care about those people immediately. Mm -hmm. That's not this. Yeah, I, I I agree with that one. Yeah. Wrapping up our discussion this week, we have The Spire Number 1 from Boom Studios, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Jeff Stokely and Andre May. God, this certainly was a Cy Spurrier comic with everybody speaking in these various English dialects. <laughs> it's... It's just like so many other Cy Spurrier things where there's certain characters where I just don't know what they're saying <laughs> because it's such a, a thick dialect, uh, some version of Scottish or Welsh that they're speaking in that I, I almost have trouble deciphering it. But initially I had a little trouble getting into it, but actually by the end of this issue, 
I was fairly invested in the characters and the story and the world that he set up here. Okay, first of all, the not just the style of writing that he has, which, yes, is extremely unique and at times very hard to figure out what he is trying to convey, but also the lettering. The mm-hmm. lettering in this was different than we normally see where whenever something is being said to the side or in a hush whisper or whatever, it's a smaller font and gray versus the normal font. So as you're reading through this thing, the, the like the word bubbles are just this mismatch. Plus there's different fonts used based on different people. If they sound different, apparently kind of like the Thor yeah. thing. And so like, I found that to be the biggest hurdle initially was getting used to this jumbled mess that damn near every word balloon is, let's be honest here. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. There were a couple of pages that I honestly kind of skimmed. <laughs> oh, I read it all. The other thing, too, is like you were saying, I, too, was like initially it was just too bizarre and too mm-hmm. all over the place and too did not make sense. They threw a lot at us in a couple pages. And then, ironically, and not because of, but after the almost sex scene was when I really got invested in the character. And not because of the sex scene, but because that never actually happened. Spoiler. But because of, at that <laughs> point... spoiler. Yeah. At that point, the the main character really becomes interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, really becomes interesting. When she's talking to the guard naked at the door, and it's like, these breasts have never been touched by man. Can we move on? I'm like, oh, I like her now. <laughs> I really like this woman. And as you progress through the story and you see how she reacts with the common people, quote-unquote because of the caste system, um, how she reacts with the guards, the other police that are there, as well as the higher-ups. It's She's just a great character. And then when you factor in that she's this odd alien kind of thing that's not common, I'm really invested in this. Yeah, there's, as you said, a caste system between the humans and the non-humans in this world. And she's, I forget the exact term off the top of my head, and it's not in my notes, but she's basically a, a form of a shapeshifter is how it was described. And she has these weird tendril things that we, we don't know the full extent of what they can do, but it's, it's definitely handy. not normal. They're yeah. very handy. <laughs> but especially once they get to the end and talk about how she can heal herself yet she wears an eye patch she's missing an eye you know why couldn't she heal that and tying it in with the weird little messenger imp things and what's going on there that it's a bizarre world and it does have a pretty big hurdle to get over initially but give it a chance and i said the main character is very interesting the political intrigue after the emperor's dead and the the power vacuum that creates and the murder investigation there there's a lot going on here that has me really interested in now the second issue that line that you're talking about where that alien is asking her why essentially she hasn't healed her eye and she there's that beautiful panel too where you see the close-up of that eye with the the pinks and purple and and she's saying and there are some wounds you wouldn't heal even if you could and i was like oh good line good line spurrier <laughs> well done bravo <laughs> 
yeah, we've said time and time again that Spurrier, we love his writing. And the more bizarre it is, the more we tend to enjoy it because we're interested in going along for the ride. And on one and hand, seeing how weird it can get. But on the other hand, seeing how weird it can get while still having an anchor and being interesting to us. Like, again, going back to the Legion series, which we both loved, that was a bizarre story but we still cared. We still related to David at various points throughout that story. And that's what I'm looking forward to here. More of that. I think the bizarre works for Spirier as well, because it allows him to create something new. That is not just a tired old trope that we've seen time and time again. And even if there are tropes in this story, they're so cleverly masked that you don't always pick up on it right away. Again, a credit to Spurrier's, writing skill and that's all i kept thinking throughout this I, I read this a couple of times and and there was a deeper appreciation for it the second time it's just a really well-written comic mm-hmm. and as you mentioned the art style on this is oh, very striking it. and very gorgeous to look at like the the colors are just everything it's this again bizarre fantasy world but very well rendered on the page and the artist was... I said Jeff Stokely. Oh, you already did? Okay. Colors by Andre May. Yeah. Yeah, I love the art. Mm-hmm. So good stuff all around there. So if you're going to check out one new series that came out last week, don't check out the one from the big company and the award-winning writer. Yeah. Yeah, in this case, seriously. But know firsthand. Like, know, know that what we're telling you, that it is bizarre. And you might read a page and think, what the hell are these guys on? In my case, a lot of cold meds, but that does not change the fact (laughs) that this was awesome. Give it a chance. Hang in. Read through. Even once you get to the end, not everything's going to make sense. But that's the point. There's that mystery, that Mm -hmm. air of mystery that's going to permeate the story, I feel, for quite a while. And then when we get to the point where it all makes sense, I think there's going to come that moment where it's going to be like, ah, and even more of an appreciation of what he's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And not just that, after we've had a few months to kind of digest this world and yeah. learn more just about the setting in general, it's going to be interesting to look back and see, oh, we were confused by that. Yeah. No, no, that's that's normal. That's yeah. that's the fairy <laughs> messenger. Yeah, that's how that's just how it is. <laughs> As for what else we've been reading this week, of course, I had to read Secret Wars number four. I have not read it yet. Of course. But spoil away. I loved this issue. That's not surprising. Uh, it starts off with uh, the Cabal are battling the Thors, and the battle has grown large enough to draw the interest of the God Emperor Doom. At which point, Strange shows up with the heroic, you know, outcasts. We get an amazing scene of Doom does not care about this battle and, you know, what it could represent to, you know, the, the fabric of his world and, you know, the order he set up until he sees Richard's. And we find out that across all the worlds that he's put together, there are no other versions of Richards. <laughs> Not to mention there's a couple fantastic pages in here with Cyclops. Now that he's, you know, full Phoenix Force Cyclops and standing up to Doom. I think I'm starting to like Cyclops again. Oh, God. Some great, great uh, character writing in this issue. I really enjoyed it. Let me ask you this now, because, again, because I haven't been reading everything, I am still confused about everything that's going on. (laughs) So am I. Good. (laughs) 
It appears as though some of the tie-ins that we're reading are actually taking place after the events of Secret Wars. However, that's still going on. Am I wrong in assuming that? That's not the impression I'm getting. It kind of is what I'm getting. Obviously, I'm wrong then. Okay. Because it just feels like there's... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's... I'm not really... Well, as an example, Ultimate End is still going on. But Mm -hmm. when you're reading other stuff, it's saying there's only one now. It's collided. And that's that. There's only the one. But Ultimate End is still going on. So it's obviously... It's not done everywhere and kind of moved on. Whereas some of the times then are the battle world stuff and, and things like that, where it's assumed that everything's done and Doom's in charge. See, I don't even see... See, that's the thing, too. Again, obviously, I've missed some critical issues here somewhere Mm -hmm. because... Explain to me, the planets are all, obviously, because it's linear in Marvel. We bitched about that already. Mm -hmm. Well, I did. It's it's all collapsing until there was only the two left, the Ultimates and the regular canon. They they collapse together. Well, that's, that's happening now, is it not? No, the, the the ultimate the Earth we're seeing an ultimate end is just one of the small areas of Battle World where oh. the survivors of those two universes have been smashed together. See, into I thought one it place. was the whole world. I thought this was kind of they were showing what no. was going on as All it was that's happening. Left of both of those universes is Manhattan. Okay, so as what's happening now is all on so. Was there a point in any issue of any series where they showed what actually happened? So the worlds collided. At what point did Doom step in and say, okay, enough of this shit, and just kind of built his little battle world? That that was during the uh, New Avengers stuff leading up to Secret okay. Wars. Where it was like the last issue before Secret Wars. Right. Well, not the last issue, but a couple issue before was when Doom was revealed as the big, you know, big guy behind a lot of what was going on and that he was salvaging various bits of the worlds that he could. Oh, okay. See, I missed all that. Because, well, he's freaking Doom. Of course he's going to want to save as much of the universe as possible for his own enjoyment. Yeah. See, as someone who didn't read all that, man, that's confusing as Mm -hmm. hell for this event right now. I can imagine. And again, I'm someone who reads a lot of comic books. So if I'm having a problem with this, I'm thinking a lot of other people are as well. Yes, yeah. and the people right, I know but... who are enjoying it the most are the people who are really into Hickman's Avenger stuff. Right. Yeah, I gotta when when I have the time, I've gotta go through all of those. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also read the second issue of A Force. Again, I'm liking the characters, and I'm saying that still the Secret Wars setup isn't really doing it that much favors, but. It's getting interesting what they're doing with it now of crossing over between the various uh, worlds. And it's still just strong stuff with Nico and a lot of her character development. And again, I'm just curious what it's going to mean once Secret Wars is over because we're not going to have this Nico-Loki relationship. We're not going to have the animosity between Medusa and She-Hulk, at least not in the same way we have it now. So a lot of the things that are good about A-Force are probably the stuff that's not going to be there once it relaunches later on. Yeah. But that said, it still shows skill from uh, Wilson as a writer of being able to establish these interesting character dynamics and hopefully establish new interesting character dynamics once yeah. Secret Wars is over. Yeah. 
Agreed. And then I also read the Red Skull, number one. I did not. A lot of it was just kind of by the numbers, like what we would expect. There was a lot of exposition going on. Uh, the characters it, it basically throwing together a team of supervillains to go over the wall and uh, bring back proof that the Red Skull died because the Red Skull is being used as this uh, symbol of rebellion because apparently he was sent off to his death, but he didn't die. So Doom uh, orders a group of you know, supervillains from one of the Earths to basically be like a Thunderbolt suicide squad type team. And yeah, like I said it was by the numbers, not terribly interesting, but where it ends where we now have the Red Skull saving Magneto's life and what that's going to mean for the story going forward, that's an interesting hook. And that is going to bring me back for the second issue. The art was also pretty darn good, too. I really liked it. I forget who it was off the top of my head, but it was reminiscent of Bacallo, but you know, a lot of his character designs, but not quite his work, but it was still pretty nice. Cool. And what have you got for us this week? I got to start with Injustice. Are you caught up? I... Did not read the latest one. Ten? <laughs> Cause, sure. Because ten is the one where you're going to lose your shit. <laughs> okay? I'm not joking. Ten is the one where the very final page, Vince is going to just like, oh, lose okay. your shit. You will. <laughs> and I say that as someone that's been loving this as well kind of thing. And and I got to that point and even I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Shit just got real here. <laughs> but even the stuff before that, because we, we had the big, that I, I don't want to say trick, but whatever, from Batman mm. forcing the, this this It's not a trick fight. when it's Batman. Yeah, it's exactly. He meant it. <laughs> so Superman has to fight Wonder Woman and all that. And then you get the conflict between all of that and what they're going to do. And then you get the fight. And... And I think it was issue 10, actually, that did have the... Yeah, issue 10 has these fantastic scenes from the past as well. So for people who haven't read it yet, and again, a little bit of a spoiler. And, and, and in fact, if you are not reading Injustice right now, you are... We've only been talking about it for three years. You're missing out on... And I still, like, to Tom Taylor's credit, he created something... Well, he didn't create the universe, but he went on and created so much of the story from that point on and we've shown our love for him time and time again on various episodes but while there were some rough patches for Bucaletto initially he's found his groove yes he has not only found his groove but he is some of this is just as strong as Taylor's strongest if not a little better like this is I'm friggin impressed so that is high praise. No, it is. It is. And like when you're seeing the stuff that's going on here with all of the dynamics between all of the characters as well, because it's really coming to head. I mean, Hal is finally kind of questioning Clark. And if if Clark has gone too far kind of thing at one point. And then you get Sinestro coming back. There was a little too much explaining going on with Sinestro. It was a little too much kind of forcing an explanation down the reader's throat, I thought, to explain why all of a sudden he's back. But still, it was interesting, especially Superman's reaction to him. But I can't remember, did Odin 
drop by for issue nine? Odin. Or Zeus, I mean. I, I don't know. I, I haven't read nine yet. Oh, you haven't when even I said read the most nine? Recent, I forgot that a new one came out oh, yesterday. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm a week behind. Okay. Yeah. They're a, oh, my God. <laughs> There's some serious crap going on. <laughs> and some of the reactions from. I, I think he showed up at the end of eight of like, hey, hey, hey. This is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, it gets better because you get the rest of the Justice League going, Zeus? Like, that's a thing? He's real? <laughs> and he's Wonder Woman's father? What the hell? <laughs> so, but again, going back to what I was saying before, too, there's some really, really good flashbacks to scenes with the different members before everything went down kind of thing. And you see some fantastic scenes with Batman and Superman. And there's a reason why... The Batman Superman comic has done well at different times, depending on who was writing and all that. And while we see so much of it in movies, it's a good character dynamic putting those two together. It's the ultimate duo kind of buddy cop movie thing. And here you're seeing once again where Batman is saying, like, you're sloppy. You're not even trying to learn how to defend yourself here. And push come to shove, she can take you. And sure enough, we see what's going on in the fight, and there's like, it's a close fight. I'm not going to spoil it. I can't spoil it. It's not mm-hmm. done. But there's points where we're going like, holy crap. So this was so freaking good. I'm really excited now. Yeah, you should be. Did you read the second Batman Beyond? Mm-hmm. That was also good. In fact, quite a bit better now that the we kind of got our footing, so we know kind of what to expect in this world and what's going on again a little bit there's still some mystery and there's some of that is revealed here and uh, and but we've got like you know we know who's there kind of where they're from and things like that there's some really cool stuff happening in this second especially with ink back oh yes man it's cool now seeing tim interacting with the villains we know as terry's exactly so and seeing like again max and everything that's going on with her is like oh my god so there's a lot of really cool stuff in this and i i like the pace i like the characters i'm two issues in i'm now invested in these characters as well and i like the setting and what's going on as well it's very post-apocalyptic mech apocalyptic kind of thing which we've seen tons of times and i will say we have seen it done far better for sure but it still is good i am enjoying it Mm -hmm. oh did you read the next uh detective comics i actually haven't read that one yet oh because that's the again continuing with uh, yeah commissioner gordon as batman so you you read the previous one after i recommended it yeah yeah this is you no i had already read it you had yeah i had you sure i'm positive of it but anyways um this was awesome too because Snyder doesn't fall into the trap of making Gordon awesome because Snyder's not writing detective comics. Oh, damn it. You're right. Who is? Um, Bucoletto. There you go. So, yeah, it doesn't fall into the the pitfall of because it's Gordon and because we love him so much and things like that. He's got to be the hero and got to be great. And no, he's 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 screwing up and Mm -hmm. and he's learning as he's going. But he's still Gordon as well. So he still has that tenacity and that stubbornness and not giving up kind of thing. It was really, really freaking good. I enjoyed this a lot. Cool. Ultimate end number three. You had clocked out earlier. Did you 
go back and read it? Because I not told yet. you to. I know. Not yet. Bastard. You're not going to. That's the thing. You're telling me you're going to. <laughs> but you're not going to. There's a lot of freaking comics out right now. Yeah, but I'm telling you that that one was good. And there were some awesome in there that you should be reading. Fine. This was cool, too. But for different reasons altogether. We're getting a lot more of the duplicity of the heroes and villains because of the, the merging of the worlds. So you're getting in the same way that in the issue two, we had fantastic scenes between the two Tonys. Now all of a sudden we're getting great scenes between, you know, Banner and Hulk, which was pretty good. We got Fury going hog wild and trying to control everything in much the way that Fury always does. But now you've got these other heroes from the other universe going, you're not the boss of me kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So especially with Tony, who was so headstrong to begin with as well. It doesn't take order from anybody anyways in his own freaking universe, having (laughs) Fury screaming in his ear ain't doing any, any good. So you're getting some really cool scenes with all of that. And again, with the, the, the duplicity of the characters, like you, you got a, a really intense scene between two Punishers, like really freaking intense. Not a ton is said, as is expected, because it's Castle, but Castles. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really tense scene that I can easily see being scripted as if it was a movie kind of thing. That's how I, I, I watch it. I'm going, that was a movie scene and a damn good one at that, too. Okay, I guess I'll read the stupid comic. Shut up. <laughs> Christ. Did you read the second Planet Hulks or Planet Hulk with the uh, mm-hmm. cap and the dino? Figured you would. It was better than the first one, I thought. I don't I, know if I, you agree. It was better, like it was more, you know, focused, but it also didn't have gladiatorial dinosaurs. So <laughs> now I'm still enjoying the series. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. I, it, I again, I. I didn't mind the first one, but it certainly wasn't phenomenal in my opinion. But this was better. But it, it certainly wasn't, again, something that I'm like telling BB, you have to go buy this and read this. No, not even remotely close. Did you read Tales of Honor? No. From Image. Now, let me get the information here. Um, yeah, Tales of Honor by Matt Hawkins and Linda Sayek. And it's a Top Cow production through Image. And it's the year 2130. And actually, I'll just read just a a quick blurb here. Uh, A colony ship left Old Earth with the mission of interstellar colonization, launching the largest uh, diaspora in the history of mankind. A new calendar system was born that year with one PD commemorating the post-Dispora era. Diaspora? Whatever. Era. (laughs) Once again, plenty of meds coming. Big words. Yeah. God, today that's not good. So, yeah, the writers are Matt Hawkins and Dan Wickline. Matt Hawkins. I've read something of his before. The name sounds familiar. I don't know. You can Google it. If you like space dramas space adventures, drama kind of thing. Man, this was awesome. This was really, really good. I loved it. The art, spectacular. Once again, strong female lead character, the captain. A couple of cliches here and there, of course. But otherwise, strong writing, balancing 
personal life kind of thing with this military type of life as well. And of course there's got to be something thrown in where they have to go off the grid and do something that they shouldn't ought to kind of thing for someone. So again, yeah, there's some cliches throughout, but again, it's written well enough that that doesn't matter. It certainly didn't to me. I really enjoyed this a lot to the point of, and I haven't looked it up yet, but once again, it's just because I'm so bloody sick that when I'm not doing anything, I'm just sleeping. It sounds like this is an existing IP, this Tales of Honor or Honor or whatever it is. It kind of sounded like this might be something that's an existing IP that there were some other series. I'm going to have to look into it because if there were, and especially if they were written by the same creators here, I'm going to definitely be looking for this. Yeah, see, there's a wikia on Honorverse, and I don't know if that's just going to be for this or this is another, if it's an IP that's that's already running. Regardless, damn good stuff. Really, really... I can't, I, you want high praise? It's not as good as Mass Effect, but it's. I can see it getting close. After a long period of time where you're really invested in that, this honor-verse, and if you're invested in the characters, which they're strong enough that I can see myself getting invested in them, I can foresee a time, you know, several dozen issues down the road where I will be hook, line, and sinker into this series and loving every moment of it. Yeah, he's been involved in a lot of stuff over the years, uh, both as a writer and as an editor, including Postal and The Tithe, oh, which you both, you which you liked both of. Yeah, Tithe not quite as much, but Postal mm-hmm. is brilliant. I love it. So, yeah, this is really, really good. You should give it a shot. All right, I'll check it out. Yep. Uh, that'll be it for now. All right, then. For today's new releases, Jesus Marvel, <laughs> I pared down the list. And so far, I've got 1872, number one, Age of Apocalypse, number one, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, number two, Civil War, number one, Ghost Racers, number two, Inferno, number three, Master of Kung Fu, number three, Runaways, number two, Secret Wars, 2099, number three, Spider Island, number one, Spider-Verse, number three, Star Wars, number six, and Star Wars Lando, number one. I think we need to discuss... Your definition of paring down. It was a lot longer. (laughs) Uh, From DC, we've got Batman number 42, Constantine the Hellblazer number two, Earth 2 Society number two, and Gotham Academy number eight. From Image, we have Descender number five, Injection number three, Saga number 30, and The Walking Dead number 144. And then rounding out the list from Archie Comics, we've got the new Archie number one, which I'll check it out. And from IDW, Godzilla Rulers of Earth number 25. Thank you, everybody else, for taking the week off because, God, Marvel, what are you doing to us? (laughs) You know, there is something that's going to be coming out as well, and I debated whether we should discuss it here, but then I decided, no, we'll discuss it on our our, com- our gaming podcast, just as a tie-in, there's an upcoming series from Dragon Age, once mm-hmm. again, that's going to be written by... Greg Rucka. Rucka, yeah. Who's a huge Bioware fan. Yeah, so... <laughs> it's always been interesting hearing him tweet about playing Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and well, who better to write a Dragon yeah, exactly. Age comic, I guess. Yes, so we are going to be discussing that on this week's episode of For the Lore. It's not... It's not even recorded yet, much less released, but you will want to check that out if you are interested in what we have to say about that. 
Yeah, what he said. Aside from that, you can find more of us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at cbinformer. More of us. There's only the two of us. Right. More, more about of us. More about us, you mean? Sure. There's not more of us. Is there more of you? <laughs> I'm more than just a voice, Roger. <laughs> You're more than enough. I am enough. a man. You are more than enough. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.